Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful that I got to listen to you. So um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of where I'm coming from and then ask uh, the question. So, um, you know, I've been in uh, recovery dealing with um, addiction for 30 years, started at 13, doing all the hard drugs, full-blown alcoholic and, and whatnot. It had some real low lows to come back of, back from, and um, did quite a bit of, obviously, therapy, um, gained a lot of head knowledge for whatever that was worth, um, and did dive into, you know, working on some of the core belief work and um, shame and stuff like that. But what my question is, I guess, is how, well, what do you think, like, how do you recover yourself after so much of that time that you've been using and avoidance, you know, you've been completely avoiding. And I think um, I just, you know, it's like getting back my authentic identity and everything. And I think I, I'm realizing that I may have been reacting to a lot of things. Like I, I, my life has been a reaction to, instead of, uh, you know, promoting myself. I don't know. Um, but I guess, yeah, it's just like, I guess getting to like the end of yourself, like getting really to that. That's all I got. Thanks. So I, I feel like there were two questions there. The first, the first one that I heard was how do you basically, how do you recover from avoidance? And, and that is, I mean, this is, this is where I bring my psychotherapy training into, because there's a very specific way that we address that in therapy for certain types of avoidance, for example, phobias, anxiety, things like that. I mean, all, all, all avoidance is based in some type of fear generally. And so the solution to that is pretty straightforward. Start, it starts with acceptance or just, just radical acceptance of this is where I am right now. Oh, wow. Look at this anxiety. It's super powerful. Look what it's telling me to do. Look what I don't want to do. Like, look at how much I'm freaking out about going to this party or going to this event or, you know, taking this call or whatever. Um, wow. Just sort of watching it like you're watching fish in a tank. I talk obnoxiously about mindfulness because I think it's just it, nothing spiritual about it. It is a mental exercise that is one of the most powerful things that I've ever discovered for myself, which is just the ability to watch our experience, our internal emotional cognitive experience, and just observe it without any judgment or desire to change it immediately. So it starts there. And then with incremental leaning into the fear. So to use the most sort of uh, tangible approach I can think of is, you know, say you're afraid, say you have OCD and your fear is dirt or contamination. Well, what we slowly do is maybe some imaginary exposures to that. Think about being dirty, you know, and then actually put some dirt on your hands and sit with it on your hands for a little while and just be mindful of the anxiety that comes up. And, and so that's, it, it's a gradual incremental process of exposing ourselves, at least in my experience, exposing myself to the thing that I'm avoiding. And for people speaking up for themselves, for example, if people who are conflict avoidant, sometimes this is simple as like, I want you to go out there and say no to somebody. 
<laughs> once, you know, and then come back next week and tell me how it went for you. Um, really small incremental things, which is why I'm so big into for myself writing stuff down and like having having more of a systematic approach to how am I going to do this? How am I going to address this character defect specifically? If I'm selfish, what's one way that I can be more generous? What is something I can do? Not generally I can, you know, be more giving. What is a thing I can give to a person? Let's get as specific as possible and then just slowly, slowly, incrementally doing more of that. And then it starts to become more natural and less, less scary. And the avoidance just starts to sort of taper off over time. And it's way easier said than done. But that tends to be the approach that that has worked for me and that I've seen work in others. I think it's my turn. Yes, Marsha. Because <laughs> you know how long he's been waiting. My patience is like zero. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm a hummingbird on Red Bull, and this has been really hard for me to wait all this time. Is it my turn yet? Okay. Um, hi, family. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. My problem is Marsha. Uh, <laughs> thanks for uh, those being of service and, and all of that. And um, um, Mark, you were you were close. You left me that message on my WhatsApp saying that today's speaker was almost as good as me. So that that you came close. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, Jeffrey, I haven't read your book. Okay, uh, it, it's here. It's here. I move it from different parts of my room um, to, because I'm going to, right? It, it travels with Joe C's book and everything, and it's eventually going to get to the place where I, where I actually read it. So um, I've got a bunch of sponsees, and, and they, they, they would like to go through the book that way. So we're going to learn together. So that's great. Um, and thank you for your share and what you were talking about, the whole thing with the bottom. Um, um, a person's a, a bottom. It's um, I've always thought that everybody everybody has the same bottom. The circumstances of their bottom is what's different. Um, and I think that point that you finally say, okay, you know what? I can't fucking do this. Okay, that's that is that is everybody at some point gets to that. And um, I think I, I think I truly honestly knew when I was done. Like I was in and out of this thing for fifteen years before. I pulled my head out of my ass and said, are you done yet? And, and I've hit that point that I said, yeah, I've done it. And it was when somebody called me a liar of all times. Like I've lived in a bush um, for years. Like, you know, winters in, in Canada, living in a bush is not fun. And the things that I would do, steal your wallet and help you look for it, all that stuff. You know, those, those physical bottoms that I got to weren't it. And like in 2017, somebody called me a liar and it broke me. It broke me. And I said, I don't want to be that person. You know, so... um. So thanks for talking about that. Um, so before my next comment, um, I'm inviting you um, Wednesday if you come to Stonehenge step meeting. Um, and, and this is not a date. Like I, I heard that you're 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 pretty happy with your partner, and I don't date people with bits and pieces that hang out anyway. So um, I, so <laughs> it's not a date. But if you're if you're if you're not busy on Wednesday, come to Stonehenge <laughs> for the step meeting. Um, that would be really cool to to see you. So write you can you like to write things down. I don't. I have to get into the habit of that. So, um, but what I really wanted to say is, um, I know I'm four years in, I'm four years in and I know that I'm eventually not gonna be a hummingbird on Red Bull anymore. Um, I'm, I'm, and I've stopped pressuring myself to get there. Um, but just the way you came in and you just told your story and whatever it was and that calmness about you and everything like that, um, that gives me hope. Um, and that's the one thing that I've been lacking my whole life. And it's only been like since this year um, that I've actually been able to feel hopeful um, about how I'm doing and how I'm progressing and stuff. And 
I found Secular AA and I think Bridget was probably the first speaker that I ever heard and Annie was the second one. I follow Annie around anywhere. Sorry, she's a little bit more famous than you when it comes to my mind. So <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. You know, I, 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 I love what I've discovered in Secular AA. Um, it's been here in Toronto forever, but you know, I went into a meeting and I saw Joe sitting there and I'm like, yeah, I don't wanna have anything to do with this. Um, but that's because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready, it doesn't matter, secular AA, traditional AA, doesn't matter if it was a purple elephant with, with pink feet, I wasn't ready. Um, and uh, I, I'm very grateful that I've been able to take in everything that I have since then. So I just wanted to say thank you and uh, to everyone actually um, for showing me that they're, 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 it's okay to have hope and that you know things will be okay. It's not the zombie apocalypse. So thanks very much and I hope everybody does well. Wednesday, Jeffrey, Wednesday. Okay, Stonehenge, okay, uh, thank you. <laughs> Hey, uh, I'm Mikey. I, I uh, the last book I read was the classic C Spot Run. So I'm not a reader, really. Um, but fucking Mark pumped you all week. Like, oh my God, you know, Christ Himself is coming to talk. So I uh, I got a copy of your book illegally. Uh, but halfway through the talk, I ordered it on Amazon hardcover, I swear I can screen share it. But I, uh, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah, no, totally did. Um, but uh, I only read like a little bit, like I think it's on page four, but it says uh, one of your pet peeves is uh, slogans like my best thinking got me here and how toxic that can be. Um, and I could talk about all the other stuff you said forever. You're someone that you want to sit down and have a salad with. Um, I would say, my question would be, is there any other slogans or sayings or aphorisms that you find are toxic uh, in the program? Like some of them need to be interpreted like uh, meeting makers make it is one that drives me crazy because sitting in meetings doesn't do anything if you don't do any kind of uh, introspection or, or all of that stuff. And I'm right there with your mindfulness. Uh, that's been just, uh, I always read that as one word, prayer and meditation. And when I learned to actually properly meditate and learn mindfulness, it was game changing. But I was just wondering what other things are your pet peeves as far as uh, seeing things you hear in the room, things that, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. I'm curious. Thanks. That's a whole, that's a whole other meeting. I actually was going to, I wanted to write and I'm still considering writing a book just on my take on this, some of the slogans. I, I just, I find any kind of dogma to be problematic because it tends to oversimplify things that are way more complicated. Like even something as simple as easy does it. What does that mean? Easy, easy, easy does. Yeah, certain things. Sure, I think that's great advice to take it easy. But like, it doesn't apply to everything. And what, what, what is, what does it even mean? It doesn't mean anything. It sounds good, but it means very little. It's not actually saying anything. Um, so, oh, spam risk. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, you know, I. Uh, gosh, what are some of the other ones? I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously, you know, God never gives you more than you can handle. That's a, that's a tough one for me. Um, 
you know, like things like everything happens for a reason, I think is also kind of a confusing one and, and one that's doesn't never made a ton of sense to me. I mean, it makes sense. I get what people are saying when they say that, but I feel like the wording of it is just, it creates this idea that like, there's this controlling thing that's, this is happening for a reason. This thing that's happening is to teach you a lesson. This is plant. Whereas I prefer to just say, you know, you can, you can, make something out of whatever happens or you can find meaning in whatever happens or something like that you know you could so there's there's a lot i i just i i have an aversion to any prepackaged phrase or any i don't i just don't like them in general because i i feel like there's all everything's nuanced and there's always exceptions and there's always you know it's it just if it sounds cute and sexy and 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 like ooh, it just sounds really good then usually I, I i think it's probably missing something i think if if we're, we're if we're being realistic about stuff it usually sounds really boring and complicated to an if that makes sense it's like the news it's like the i i when i watch the news i want to try and find the most boring news possible because when 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 people are talking about something complicated, it should start, it should be kind of boring to an extent because there's a lot to it and it's not all one way or the other. When things are sensationalized and, and stuff like that, I, I, I it gives me pause. So I'll, I'll try and think of some more specific examples. That's perfect. Thanks. Thank you, Mark. And Mark, thank you so much for your service. And uh, Jeffrey, it, it was just such a pleasure listening to you. And I was one of those people who I I, I didn't know about you. Um, and I'm so glad to have listened to you. Like, you know, just coming from a share, you know, listening to another member share, like, wow, I could identify a loss. My bottom, my bottom was also an internal bottom, you know, I'd reached the stage where like that suicide was like, it was an option. I'd pick somewhere, I was gonna do this whole romantic Emily Dickinson-esque walk out into the sea and let it be done. And, you know, but that was my bottom that like, I couldn't cope, I was gone. I hated like that, I hated what I'd become. Um, the person that I used to be was lost on me and, total identification with you there i was drinking towards the end of my drinking i was drinking three bottles of wine a night i was smoking weed morning night afternoon and just you know trying to hold my shit together ended up having a mental breakdown it was you know it was it was my rock bottom and it fucking hurt like hell but um i'm also training to i'm training to uh, in psychotherapy and addiction specific counseling and that's where I'm not, I'm not long around secular AA, I'm only around, what, maybe a month and a half. So glad to have found it because I was at the stage, I'm training in person-centered and in person-centered, we're empathetic, we're congruent, we have positive self-regard. Then I go to AA and I'm told I'm selfish, I'm self-centered and I'm like, oh, what the shit? Like I was going to walk away from AA because it meant more to me to help more people the wider audience because not everyone's going to come into a and i was going to turn my back on a and i was talking to my own counselor about it and he's 12 years in the program he's also a, um, an addiction counselor and he was like you need a program you grow you need a program you gotta stick with a program 
And that's when I got a Google in, and that's when that's how I came to find these meetings. And I'm just so blessed. And it's so great listening to you. I'm actually doing the steps with the Russell Brand book. I am a bit mythical and mystical and spiritual. I love Russell. Uh, he's a bit marmitey, but I love him and it works for me. That's the language that speaks to my soul. But Jeffrey, I'm definitely going to check your book out. Um, I, it was just such a pleasure listening to you. And I'm going to go listening, looking for, I, I love researching. I'm going to go researching you. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, David, alcoholic addict. Um, thanks, Jeffrey. Um, I haven't read your book. Um, I've read, had a couple pages read and to me and I like them. Um, I'm concerned about um, all the, the guilt. Um, I don't know if you were talking so much about universalizing guilt or maybe endorsing that, but um, I know that some people at least uh, view guilt as an invention of Christianity. Uh, there's certainly Jewish guilt. Don't know if that's a more recent phenomenon, but um, I, for one, I feel guilty about the people who I actually hurt. Um, my daughter with some phone messages and texts, some ex-girlfriends, but um, I never did anything to hurt women or minorities or indigenous peoples. Um, and I just wonder whether this extension of guilt to the world and uh, to people who we've never had any contact with is just maybe an, um, a revitalization of Christianity in secular AA rather than a diminishment of it, whether we've gotten rid of God in secular AA yet amplified Christianity, whether we're not a more Christian and Judeo-Christian program than is traditional AA. That's my question. It's an excellent question. I, I really, I like that one. Thank you. So when it comes to all this jazz, shame and guilt and stuff like that, I first like to really differentiate what I mean when I say, when I think of shame versus guilt, I like to, I like to identify those two things separately and, and, and differentiate them. So for me, guilt is a healthy realization that I did something that was against my values and I don't want to do it again. So, you know, oh, I, wow, I've been, you know, and so specifically talking about, um, you know, negatively impacting minorities, indigenous peoples, things like that. A lot of that can occur. We're not doing it actively per se. It's, it's subconscious. We're part of, you know, we're, we're contributing to larger systems that are oppressive and things of that nature. So it's not about like sit there and feel horrible. It's just like, oh, wow, I've been doing this and it's been having this effect. That's not what I want to do. I don't, so I'm not going to do that anymore. Or I'm going to work towards not doing that. So for me, that's what guilt is. Shame is more kind of the religious type. You are morally 
uh, damaged or there's some, you know, there's something morally wrong with you because of what you did. So guilt is I did something I don't like or that I don't agree with. And shame is I am inherently bad. There's I am inherently flawed. And so one has a place. And in my opinion, the other one does not. I've I've not experienced many. Uh, I've not worked with many people for whom shame was helpful almost at all you know it, it's it's something that i certainly put on myself in a way to sort of as a way to try and control myself right so i feel like on a certain level i believe that if i shame myself hard enough it will change me i will i'll straighten up and act right. And the truth is, in, in my experience, the more ashamed I feel, the more stuck I feel, and the less motivated I feel to try and pull out of it. Whereas guilt, where I still have respect for myself, and I still, you know, have a level of confidence and self love and compassion, um, that makes it much easier to then act in the right direction to take some to take some right wise action. Um, so it's a it's a very it's a very different thing. I do not feel like shame has any place. And and when you know, when people start getting into, you know, oh, I'm stupid, I'm this, I'm that. That's why I don't like the my best thinking got me here. That to me is a very shame based thing to say. It's like the very best of me sucks. I mean, it's just like it's to me, it's just so it's, uh, I hate it <laughs> for obvious reasons. It doesn't work for me. So whereas guilt is like, yeah, my thinking was off. I made some really bad decisions. How can I correct that and get better? Guilt leaves room for improvement. Shame is like cutting yourself down. So. Hi there. I'm Jennifer. I'm an alcoholic and I suffer from alcohol use disorder. That's my new fave. Um, hey, Jeffrey, thank you so much. I'm very excited to hear you today. And I've been using your book with a few of with my sponsees as well and reading through it with them. Um, I was very interested in what you described as uh, resentment as relive. And I was, I'm, I, I know someone who's, suffered, uh, who's struggling right now to let go of resentment or find a way to get rid of it. I mean, <laughs> It, it was a horrible thing that happened. And, um, you know, uh, there'll be moments of like acceptance and then all of a sudden um, a resurgence of resentment. So I was wondering if you might be able to speak a little bit, if you could, on uh, uh, tools to uh, help with uh, addressing resentments especially uh, in this situation, the reminder of it is kind of in location. Uh, there's a location issue where uh, the person who caused the harm is seen uh, on occasion, so, and, and not really able to uh, avoid that. So thank you if you have anything you can share on resentment. Thank you so much for that. This is one of the reasons I, I really hope that uh, just AA culture in general becomes more uh, sensitive to the concept of trauma. 
uh, and things like that, because um, there are, you know, there's this sort of message that we must be rid of all of our resentments and we can't feel anything bad about anything that's happened before or anything anyone has done to us. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of that approach. I think it's absolutely crucial that we process our feelings regarding things that have happened to us and the way, you know, and how people have wronged us. That's different than, you know, when I think of a resentment that we then need to look at and go, okay, let's, let's, let's change our thinking around this a little bit is if it's sort of a conscious process of like, and, and it's something that the person is sort of consciously engaging in and kind of feeding their anger with and, you know, just like, yeah, screw this guy or whatever. It, like, like there's something, there's something sort of heady about that kind of resentment, like where you just stew. And I think, I think that depending on, again, it depends on the case. And, and this is another reason I have, I have a lot to say about my thoughts on sponsorship because sponsoring somebody is a hard job. It is not something I think everybody is cut out to do. That is my firm belief and that's okay. And I wish people were more, more encouraged to look at like, are you cut out to be a sponsor or are there other ways that you can be of service and help people? Because sponsoring somebody, I mean, these are vulnerable people who are putting so much trust in you and a sponsor needs to be able to look at the difference between a traumatic experience that you're having trouble processing and a resentment that it's time to start looking at. Um, you know, so so what you're talking about is is a person. It, it sounds like someone who was victimized in some way, shape, or form. I don't know because I didn't hear the details, but someone who was victimized and they're having a there is a locational geographic trigger for their trauma and there's something that's reminding them of the event and and causing them to on some level relive the trauma that's not something i would ever tell somebody to start pushing away and it's like wow there's something something here is not being fully processed something here is 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 still actively bothering you and upsetting you and impacting your life let's look at that you know the the, the feeling is not right or wrong the feeling is information it's telling you something. What is it telling you? Why are you having this feeling? And how can we figure out what it is you need? What is this feeling telling you that you need? And looking at that, the forgiveness and the letting go and all that, that comes after processing the event, in my opinion. <laughs> I speak very forcefully. And then I always want to say, in my opinion, I mean, I, I again, I, this has just been my experience as a therapist. There's a very strong culture of toxic positivity just in the world, but also in AA of like, you know, uh, don't, you know, can't be mad. Don't be mad at people rise above do to do to do. And it's like, no, that that's skipping a lot of steps. In my opinion, we, we need to process things that happen to us. And if there's trauma and it's not, and it's not, there's no movement forward on the trauma, then that person may need extra help. Hope that's helpful. Uh, hi, I'm Dave. Uh, I'm uh, an alcoholic in recovery. Um, it's it's not really a question so much, um, but uh, yeah, I I, I, I re recognize in myself that the perpetuation from in traditional AA, the perpetuation of the sort of I'm in Ireland uh, the cultural infantil infantilizing 
of, of adults that somehow this parental God is going to fix us. Uh, I don't know how that affects anybody else, but I know that it all it did was perpetuate uh, uh, childhood trauma and, and bullshit and, and kept me stuck. And I uh, have only found uh, secular AA in the past couple of months, and it has really reinvigorated my, uh, my uh, recovery and my interest in, uh, in recovery general, not just my own but uh, more expansively out into the world. And I just really want to say, uh, I, I have uh, heard people reference your book many times, Jeffrey. I had heard you on a podcast. Uh, I just ordered the book, of course, while we are chatting like everybody else. Uh, I don't know if you're on a book tour, but you're certainly selling copies to Mac. So congrats on that. But um, uh, just to say, uh, thank you very much for sharing your story. And uh, when you uh, asked initially, when the first person to share said they had a question as opposed to wanting to share, some old bullshit part of me went, oh no, it's going to turn into something that I don't like. You know, it's not a proper AA meeting. Bullshit, fucking indoctr dogmatic indoctrinated bullshit. And uh, I really want to say thank you very much personally uh, to you, Jeffrey, for coming, and to Mark, who is a champion uh, for recovery, uh, and that this singularly has been the most important meeting that I've ever been at recovery. I'm, I'm becoming emotional when saying that, because just uh, the, the, the question and answer thing turned out to be uh, profoundly important to me personally in my life because other people's questions um, addressed so many things in me that I struggled to verbalize and that not alone do I struggle to verbalize them because of trauma and abuse and so on. Oh, I'm not going to over-explain anything. Uh, thank you all for uh, helping me uh, have a better recovery through each and every one of your experiences and your questions and your responses. And uh, Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming. And, uh, you know, I look forward to meeting a lot of these people who I've only ever met virtually. I, I want to meet them in, re in real life. They're good people. You know, and it gives me hope, uh, not just hope for my recovery, but th this meeting in particular, but these meetings generally give me is hope for humanity. Because even with, I'm uh, sober, the, approximately, the, I'll be 15 years in September. And, uh, you know, I have found hope for myself personally in some, not only salvation, but I, I don't have to go back to the sh shitty life I was living. But uh, I really have hope for humanity when I hear all of you guys. So thank you for that. Sorry for being a big uh, soppy mess, but that's me. I'm a big soppy mess. Thank you so much, Dave. And uh, thank you so much, Jeffrey, man. This is incredible. And great meeting everyone for coming. And yeah, we'll stop the recording. If you all want to unmute and say thanks, why not? I don't know. Thank you so much, sir. Thank um, you, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thank you so much for coming to Ireland.
Thanks, Jeffrey. Run now. <laughs> it was a pleasure to be here. So good to talk to you all.